Hello and welcome to another edition of Monster Island Radio. I'm Ben, and as usual, I'm joined by the ever-enlightening... Graham. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, no religious connotations, please. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think we might be making a mistake here. Oh. Because we're going to be talking about two films at once today. Uh-huh. So we're talking about the original 1962 King Kong versus Godzilla and the 1963 US recut version. So I think this has potential to get a bit messy. Maybe it should have been two separate episodes, well, but we've committed, committed now. Yeah, so. we'll see how it goes. I mean, they're, they're similar, to say the least, right? So Yeah, I think the, the core of the story is the same. Is this, um, this is not the first time either that we have dealt with two altered versions either, is it? So No, that's true. I do feel like this one differs the most. Mm, well, so it does feel... I guess we'll get into it, but it, yeah. from its inception, it's it's come from like the Western side almost into, um, you know, reinvigorating Godzilla in a way. Yeah, um, and yeah. obviously we'll discuss all of that. But I think yeah, it's an interesting one of, of the differences being more sort of ingrained in a way, I suppose, and pl- planned almost. You might yeah. say, whereas other movies are recut and they're sort of a, maybe more jigsaw puzzle PC or yeah. They yeah. ruin it a bit, but this one's a little bit more interesting <laughs> in that way. You could argue that uh, one version or the other would be the the version. So I guess this this episode is uh, not Godzilla versus King Kong. It's uh, 1962 versus 1963. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so yeah, this this year, 2022, marks the 60th anniversary of, uh, of King Kong versus Godzilla. Mm. So quite serendipitous timing there. Um, so the original version is directed by Ishiro Honda again, and with, uh, Eiji Tsuburaya back on special effects. Uh, and the U S cut, uh, is directed by Thomas Montgomery. So he directed the new additional scenes for the new recut English language U S release. Um, so I'll go over the I'll go over the plot, and I think I've managed to kind of phrase it in a way that it covers both films, right? You know, without um, you know, I've, I've left out the stuff that is, isn't important. Basically, I've left all the core points in there. But even so, this is quite a long synopsis. So uh, <laughs> buckle up. Um, okay, the chief of Pacific Pharmaceuticals, Mister Taco has this new uh, natural psychoactive substance called Faralactin juice, or Soma juice in the US version, uh, which is from Farrah Island, which has a rumoured demon god, or mammoth evil spirit, depending on which translation you watch. Um, And he wants to boost their TV ratings, so decides to promote the substance by using the so-called spirit of the island. So he sends out two employees on an expedition to gather data, one of whom is Osamu... Sakurai. Uh, Sakurai returns home that evening to tell his sister Fumiko and her fiancé Kazuo about the expedition, but coincidentally Kazuo is also going on an expedition of his own to test a new thread-like material that's stronger than steel uh, on ships at sea. Mm. Yeah, strange. Um, convenient even. Can, yes, <laughs> yes. Very convenient. Uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> Uh, once at Faroe Island, a giant octopus attacks the village, but Kong appears and fends it off. 
He then takes big swigs of the Faralactin juice that the villagers had been making and then begins to pass out with the villagers performing a song and dance ritual to help him fall asleep. Uh, Sakurai gets the idea to bring Kong back with them, so they miraculously build a raft to ship Kong back to Japan. Well, I guess they knew they were going there to get some kind of monster, right? They knew... Well, they didn't believe it existed. Well, Sakurai at least didn't. But this this pharmacy guy is like, he's funding it, so if he wants to... Uh, he, yeah. he was like, oh yeah, there's some spirit right, there. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, they said gather data. Okay, but they've certainly gathered it. They certainly <laughs> did. Uh, yeah, so... Meanwhile, uh, Kazuo's own expedition gets the kibosh, as there's an emergency at sea where the submarine called the Seahawk gets trapped in an iceberg that contains... <gasps> the, the, the guy... The, yeah, the that big green oh, guy. Godzilla. Uh, so this is picking up from the end of Godzilla Raids again. Right, yes. Where we, where we sequel, saw him. Yeah. yeah, saw him buried in that Stuck ice. Stuck in the ice. The ice has been frozen. Yes. For, what, 12 years or something like that? And uh, seven. Oh, yeah, yeah, point, less than that. Yeah. Still pretty decent ice. Yeah. They don't make them like that anymore. I think it broke free because it was an island, wasn't it? Kamiko Island. And then maybe that he just broke free from that little bit and was just floating Shipping in the out. coldest regions <laughs> I don't know yeah literally um, so yeah Godzilla ends up breaking free and makes landfall in Hokkaido uh, Mr. Taco gets increasingly annoyed at the rival network's exclusive coverage of the Seahawk incident because Godzilla is making the headlines and not Kong but luckily for him Kong breaks free from the raft and makes his way to Japan where he encounters Godzilla naturally yeah, uh, the two fight, but Kong retreats when he realizes he's not going to beat Godzilla's atomic breath. Uh, so the military come up with a plan to kill or at least fend off Godzilla using high voltage wires and a giant pit with poison gas to ensnare him. Uh, the pit fails to harm him, but the wires were enough to keep him at bay. Coincidentally, the wires had the opposite effect on Kong mm-hmm. and seemed to charge him up. So uh, Kong reaches Tokyo and picks up a moving train that Fumiko was riding to evacuate the city. Kong picks her out of the carriage and carries her up to the top of the National Diet Building. Um, uh, Sakurai and his colleague, uh, I forget his name, Furue, Furue, I think, uh, get the idea to save Fumi by um, spraying Kong with this with the Faralactin juice and playing the song that the villagers performed to make him sleep um after he passes out they rescue fumi and decide that they can end all this by using kazuo's magic string to airlift kong to the to godzilla's location and let them let them kill each other yeah a very practical Mm. solution to this kind of problem uh yes balloons and wire uh so yeah the two engage in battle on uh, mount fuji where Godzilla appears to be winning until lightning strikes Kong, charging him up and ultimately overpowering Godzilla. The two tumble off a cliff into the sea, where we then see Kong surface and return to Faroe Island with Godzilla's fate unknown. So, yeah, that's the that's the story. Mm. So, when we watched this back in the day, um, we watched, I think this was the... We watched this and then we watched Godzilla 54, right? I can't quite remember how we came to, or what order we watched them because this, for me, was the first time I'd seen a Japanese Godzilla movie. 
I mentioned right. in the previous episode that I'd been binging King Kong films back in 2005. So you must you must have seen it before me, yeah. and then I watched it with you. Because it was in the DVD set that I had got King Kong with, so I watched it from there, and yeah, and then we watched it together, and I think from there, um, you then gifted me the DVD of the original Godzilla movie, and that's how our kind of prolonged viewing has, has started, and that was yeah. back in 2008. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when we first saw it, I probably had seen it once, and then we watched it together. So it's pretty much same time, more or less. So on that disc, because my memory is quite fuzzy, mm-hmm. my memory was it was the American cut we watched on that disc. But was it the American cut or was it the uh, Japanese cut? It is the American cut. Um, right. Okay. It's a it's a universal released set because it's all King Kong stuff, and even King Kong's Escape or King Kong Escapes, rather, um, that's in there is, is the American version of that as well. Um, so, yeah, I didn't see the Japanese version until, same as you, on the Criterion collection that we both have for the Showa era. I find this Criterion set quite odd. I might go on a little bit of a tangent already. Um, but the fact that this Japanese version is hidden away on the bonus disc... Must be something to do with rights or something. I don't know... I, I, it's all speculation, but like maybe there's sort of some stipulation that including uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, you must present the American version as the primary version. And there's something in that perhaps, because there's no reason maybe. they wouldn't just be on the same disc. And this, the set doesn't include any other American versions, does it? Uh, it's got King of the Monsters 56. Okay. But even yeah. so... But it doesn't have Gigantis, for example. Yeah, it's only, t- only two of the eight movies are are doubled up in that way and yeah so it's a strange kind of unexplained choice yeah it's really odd that you if Uh, you watch the set from start to finish they would all present in their japanese form except for this one right yeah really strange um so yeah i mean you could absolutely miss that unless you're (laughs) looking at the the titles on the disc really anyway so yeah the film king kong versus godzilla so we get lots of uh, sort of threads that intertwine. You get the Pacific Pharmaceuticals. They want Kong for their ads. They send Sakurai to get him. He's the brother of Fumi, uh, the one that Kong captured. She's engaged to Kazuo, uh, who's testing this string that they use to airlift Kong. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so much going on, but it's not really saying that much, if you know I what do, I mean. yeah. I mean, it's- considering it has a large part of the creative team from the original Godzilla. Um, it, it's it's the f- first like major departure, I guess, from the sort of reverence of, of Godzilla's sort of inception. And the same for Kong, mm. really. Like, this movie does not present itself as the same sort of artistic or even technical, um, you know, achievement that, that King Kong can be considered to be. It's, it's a straight-up comedy, right, from the start. The effects are almost yeah. deliberately sort of not as as high spec as the other movies um and it seems like their their main intent of making it was just to kind of have have a laugh with these two characters rather than say anything as such yeah so it felt needlessly complicated for quite a simple idea yeah i think that was the that was the the uh I i think the the most glaring issue with the story for me so yeah i mean it is silly fun like no no question about that it's good fun um but there's just 
things that you feel like should be important in a story. Like, so for example, this string that Kazuo is working on, yeah. like it feels like this is going to be a big plot point. Mm. And so, you know, they had this whole string side story in place essentially just so like, just in case we couldn't suspend our disbelief of yeah. Kong being lifted by normal rope, you know, <laughs> it's like, was that its sole purpose? Cause I was like, Oh, they're going to use it to, um, electrify Kong later, or they're going to use it on the, I thought they were going to use it on the, um, high tension wires to keep Godzilla away, or they were going to use it to trip him up or choke him or something. You know, it felt like mm. it was going to be a, this is going to be the thing that ends it all, but it was just a, something to airlift Kong. And it's like, there's a surprising amount of focus on this thread, literally. <laughs> that it just seemed like, oh, was that all it was for? You know? I don't think it's a deliberate thing because this movie came about very early on in the history of the James Bond series. But you could liken this to the way James Bond gets given a very sort of obtuse gadget and then they contrive a reason for it to mm. exist, you know? Yeah. But I think in both versions of the movie, it's done as a deliberate sort of joke in itself. It's just like, this thread is really strong and they're like amazed by it. And they're showing it off in the opening scenes where he's like hanging over the side of the balcony and like scaring the other guy, like, because he's showing how strong it is. Yeah, he's not going to yeah. get, it's not going to fall and all this. And I think it is supposed to be that Oh, it, it in the end, it's used for a pretty insignificant thing in a way. That's just a, a silly visual right. of Kong being airlifted. I think it's supposed to be a funny a funny thing in the movie it has quite a lot of, of jokes in it which are more overt and i think it's funnier than a lot of the other godzilla movies we've watched where uh we've commented on the fact they've got comedy in but it's just not our taste or yeah it comes with an odd tone which is arguably deliberate but maybe also not sometimes yeah because like Ra- raids had a bit of a funny tone to it it's like am i supposed to be laughing at these moments that seem objectively sad i don't know it's yeah yeah, yeah. but there are parts in this where i actually had a little chuckle yeah and i was like you know that's usually i don't really see the humor in things not that i think it's funny but like you know i just say it's not my kind of thing but this that has a couple of jokes and i was like that's actually still holds up even 60 years later yeah okay i thought the same and i when i was watching it i was like ah oh, graham's not gonna find that funny <laughs> <laughs> well when i first watched it um as a teenager having i had a fascination with godzilla but hadn't actually seen any i didn't really know that it was supposed to be deliberately funny. Obviously, it is silly, mm. but I don't think I had like the presence of mind to be like to like process the jokes that they were making, kind of thing. No, I think as an adolescent, I was too preoccupied with um, my own presumptions to kind of see that it, it, you know <laughs> yeah. they're not playing they're not playing it completely straight. And it is a kind of it is a confusing thing because, like I was just saying um, before. Uh, with how King Kong and Godzilla start from quite, I wouldn't say lofty, but there is like a ambition to to say something of meaning, and the Godzilla movie especially is still quite haunting now, as we talked about. Mm. And that's just the guy in a suit. And then, yeah, the same director makes this movie, and it is pretty much just taking the piss out of that whole thing. So it's a it's, it's a strange thing, and. As watching it now as an adult, and I think it's, you know, probably about 17 years since I watched it when I was about 17. I can't do the maths. Mm. But um, yeah, I watched it probably with a, a more, not, I wouldn't say good faith as such, because I've always enjoyed it and I've always really liked it and have always found it funny. But I watched it more like funny on its own terms this time, yep. rather than kind of laughing at it, which I think when I was younger, 
that is sort of what I was doing. Yeah, so you um, you kind of willfully not taking in the jokes because you're more preoccupied with trying to find it funny in your own way. Yeah, like, oh, the effects are bad, and like, oh, it's aged, yeah. or like, oh, you know, the, the fights are silly, and kind of laughing. Oh, the dubs, the dub is terrible, etc. Yeah, I mean, the dub, I guess, is maybe not so much a deliberate thing. But <laughs> well, yeah, there are there no, are. Is it like that's the thing you find funny when, when oh, you're yeah, watching it? Yeah, before. potentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a couple of lines where you're just like that is really poorly translated and is still kind of like humorous in a way. Mm. Even, but there's even special effects shots, especially when the giant octopus turns up, where I'm like. There's no way they knew. They, there's no way they didn't know this looks like silly. It, it's it must be on purpose. Even from the 1960s, I think they were yeah. deliberately sort of mocking the whole thing. Even though, like I say, they they done it earnestly um, not that long before. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. So the studio they specifically wanted a family fun kind of goofy comedy and like you say you know mm. the, the comedy still has, holds up and i think it does in both versions the american comedy is funny and the japanese comedy is funny in both right um so yeah they're pretty adamant you know it'd be it'd be just a good a good time for all the family there is there is a specific element i would point out as not funny that i probably should you know we should probably mark before we get too deep into it that there's this the tribe they go to see on the island where Kong is 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 all kind of like painted face stuff that is not amusing to me. <laughs> we'll cover that when we get to, get to the characters. Yeah, just to say like that one part of it is a, is much like the sexism you talked about last episode. Um, it's a bit uncomfortable to say the least. Yeah, so I was, when I say uh, we found it funny, we're not talking about that part. Of it, no, no, but, no, no. I'll say we'll we'll bring that up later. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so with this, uh, Honda was specifically, he was kind of against the idea of it being, uh, like, kiddie funny. Mm. Uh, he, and he wanted, he wanted that whole um, satire of, you know, Japanese television commercialism. Um, right. So he worked with Shinichi Sekizawa, the writer, screenwriter, to develop that theme. Um, so... Like yeah, he. I mean, he were, He did adopt the, the the tonal shift that this film took, but I think the the studio they wanted something kind of like off the wall funny, and he wanted something more more satirical. And right, I, the, I, the more they want overt comedy, he wants like a sort of yeah yeah, yeah. satire yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You said the same thing. Um, so it's kind of funny though because I mean the sole reason for this that this film exists is just to be a commercial success because Kong was a popular character at the time and they wanted to capitalize on that so it's kind of a, there's this weird dichotomy between what honda wanted to achieve and what the studio wanted from the movie yeah it does feel like it's about itself in some way yeah it does it's it's interesting whether how much of that's intentional i don't know but in any case it's quite quite a interesting thing to see so when i watched it a couple of days ago for this um, I didn't, I didn't know or recall knowing about this sort of TV satire about the cynicism that was being applied to the way networks behaved at this time in Japan at all. I wasn't aware of that, and I kind of had a curiosity that the talking about kind of exploiting Kong for ratings was a sort of self-referential thing to do with character rights. It does, yeah. I feel like maybe, yeah, maybe hundred kind of. Um, cottoned onto that because I mean there's that one scene I can't remember if it's in the American cut or not it might be um, where they they bring Kong back and then they're like someone says oh I wonder who would win in a fight between Godzilla and Kong 
Mm. And like, then he's like, oh, this isn't, yeah, this isn't a wrestling match. But then Taco comes out and he's like, oh, but what if it is kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I- <laughs> and like, he's like, let's make this a, let's make this a big thing. And it's, it is that kind of self-referential. Maybe that's not the term. This kind of, um. I think that is the term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a self-referential. <laughs> Which is like kind meta of comedy if you want to use that yeah. different phrasing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, meta comedy is a separate, broader term, perhaps. Perhaps. But uh, it does seem like he kind of, you know, tapped into that, which is, which is, you know, I suppose in a way ahead of its time. That's the thing. It's there intentionally or not. I certainly felt that when I was watching it. If that isn't what they were saying, fair enough. But it's uh, the comments sort of made, it's interpreted however, however you as the viewer like. And it feels like, yeah, it, as time's gone by and, I don't know. I don't know what Japanese TV is like or how people feel about it these days necessarily, but the lingering sort of notion of the story seems to be more self-referential than maybe it was intended or maybe it was. Um, but it's it, it does, yeah. It, it's a fun. It's a funny angle, I think, and it's something that you see a lot these days. I think in in um, comedies where they sort of make fun of themselves, yeah, yeah, or there's a cynicism. Yes, I won't go off, go off on a tangent about this, but anybody who saw the recent fourth Matrix movie will know exactly what I mean that in that they spend a lot of time openly berating quite um what's the word I'm looking for substantially they're very combative about the, the notion of a, of a fourth matrix movie and you're watching it right and I really enjoyed that because I never really wanted there to be a fourth matrix but I went to see it out of curiosity and I I, I enjoyed the notion that they've been made to produce it under duress and had done everything they can to ruin it on purpose. Mm. And they did a very good job of doing that. And Kong versus Godzilla doesn't do that as such, but it's the same sort of There's, hint, there's hints of it, at least. Uh, a creator doing something which maybe they don't want to do and sabotaging it to some degree on the, in, in the process on purpose is a, an interesting, uh, yeah, experience. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, it's not exclusive to film either, I don't think. I think... No. Uh, credence clearwater revival their last album i think they were contractually <laughs> obliged to do one last one and it's it's awful and like and yeah so it's yeah it's horrendous and i think uh, part of it was intentional um yeah so i mean so yeah this film has a whole new messaging that like there's no i mean there's no trace of almost no trace of the original messaging of the of the previous two films so godzilla 54 and raids again um, or like, King Kong, I guess. Or King Kong, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a mention of the H bomb when they're thinking, oh, how can we take out Godzilla? There's there's a mention of that. They touch on global warming a little bit because you know that science show at the beginning. They're talking about this iceberg that's melting. And can you believe they've been talking about global warming for so long? And yeah, yeah, <laughs> nothing's and it, been done about it. It's worse than it's ever been. <laughs> they're saying that in this movie. It's like yeah, sixty years old. Yeah. It's sad. It's a sad state right. of affairs. People should be watching more Godzilla movies. Maybe things would have been different. If they would just watch King Kong vs. Godzilla. <laughs> um, so the pacing of this film is, I feel, quite different between the two uh, versions. Oh, yeah. So, Although in both versions, it's still a whole hour before you see them fight. But Fight, yes, but if correct me if I'm wrong, isn't it an awfully long time before you see either of the monsters <laughs> in the Japanese one? Yeah, it is. So yeah, the US one, Godzilla, he's almost right at the start. First first few scenes, he he's and on that land. That is what you want. That is that is exactly what you want. Yes. Yes, exactly. You need something just to kind of, you know, jab between the eyes, yeah. wake you up and go, right, that's happening. But <laughs> 
there's there's a lot of tension in the build up to the Kong reveal, and I wonder if they're trying to like channel the 1933 King Kong in that way. You know, where well, it's, it's been a while, I guess, hasn't it? So they're like, so, yeah, there's enough times elapsed that it can be it can be tense again. Um, so you don't see him until the octopus attacks, which is quite a. I can't remember how far into the movie it is, but it's quite a long way through, and that's the first that's the first time you see either of them. Anything, anything happened? Anything happened? Yes, yeah, when the octopus attacks. Which yeah. is a uh, was referenced in Skull Island, I think. You know when um, he eats an octopus. He eats the octopus. He? Yeah, I have to say when I was watching the Japanese version mm. and the octopus turned up, yes, I felt a little bit taunted because I was just like clock watching for the actual, you know, the stars <laughs> of the show to turn up, and they, they put the octopus in front of you. The, the effects aren't good, as we already talked about, and I'm like. Where the flipping King Kong and Godzilla? I was getting so antsy. I feel like I was being made fun of by the movie <laughs> by putting a different monster in it. That's, uh, yeah. Again, I wonder if they're trying to do that whole 1933 thing where they're on this island, they're seeing the other monsters, and then yeah, they see Kong. Yeah. That's probably what they're doing. But then I think they want you to feel like it's the same place or something like that. Yeah, maybe. But They don't say Skull Island at any point, do they? No, it's Faro, Faro Island. Yeah. It's a different location as well. So, yeah. But the US did away with all that kind of tension building because I think, you know, I guess they knew, at least with Western audiences, they know Godzilla, they know Kong. Um, so they're like, well, let's do away with that. Let's, you know, no fluff. Um, so I, I could- Well, actually, yeah, not to jump on your point, but like mm. King Kong, yes, but Godzilla, I know that they, they released Godzilla and obviously they've got the whole Steve Martin thing, which we covered <laughs> at length. Yeah. Godzilla is known in America, but not to the same degree as Kong, I would think. And maybe they thought a lot of people are coming to this movie for the Godzilla cachet, you know, the Western audience. Let's put it right at the start. So that, um, so that you know who Godzilla is. <laughs> yeah, and I think the idea of walking out of cinemas has kind of plateaued many decades ago, but back in the uh, 60s. I'd still do it, I think. I've I've wanted to do it on a couple of occasions. I've never done it myself. Right. I'm just saying that back in back when the cinema wouldn't have cost that much potentially. Yeah, just a nickel. You probably would have been like, no Godzilla for an hour. Yeah. You're out of there, mate. Yeah. Um so maybe it's just maybe it's a false presumption, but maybe they thought Western audiences would not be as patient as Japanese audiences, or maybe, maybe. it was just viewed as, as a general flaw of the Japanese cut. I'm not actually sure about that. I I would say the latter. Because it's such a long time, and, cons- too long. and considering uh, Godzilla has second billing, I don't know. It feels like you've almost forgotten about him by that point. By the time he actually appears, <laughs> it's yeah, it's a bit strange. Uh, you know, it, it feels like a oh wait, it feels like what it is. It's a Kong movie, mm. and Godzilla's in it. And I felt the same way about uh, Godzilla versus Kong twenty twenty one, but that that felt like more of a Kong movie in the same way that this does. The modern movie is definitely Kong as the protagonist, yeah. And I think Godzilla is a better antagonist, regardless of which you know version of this pairing you look at, because he's the more intimidating creature, yeah, I think. Yeah, And maybe that's just like a kind of a... He doesn't seem to have any specific uh, emotional sentiment, you know, like, well, like with Kong, I mean you know as we talked about you know he he likes the ladies you know he he has this oh, yes. he has this kind of um i suppose more of a, an emotional side he's got a human element to it well, like yeah. it's it's naturally that you would would see him as a more 
relatable figure because he's just a mammal i guess and then there's this big fire breathing lizard comes and that's a bit more frightening in a way mm. you know godzilla doesn't have a sad face expression whereas <laughs> in the modern uh, godzilla versus kong kong looks pretty put out by the whole experience yeah. and you feel for him so um yeah i, I think that you could say this it, that, that 62 63 version is it a kong movie i've not really thought about it so much but i guess kong is the driving force behind the plot from the beginning really with the berries and then kong needs to fight godzilla kind of to get rid of godzilla so same sort of thing as the new one he's in a sort of a more protagonistic position yeah yeah but mm, i i guess i've got a bias as much that because i think of it now as as part of the showa era i think of it as a godzilla first and even when i had it in my king kong dvd set like i said when we first saw it i was watching it as a godzilla film yeah and when I watched King Kong Escapes, which, you know, won't get too far into on this episode, but even that, I was just like, this doesn't really feel like Kong because it was it was so Japanese. Mm. It feels like a different thing. Um, so I guess it depends on what perspective you have of the of the whole production and what things you associate with which creature and which character or whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, as we're sort of talking about the characters in a way, uh, let's talk about the characters. <laughs> so... Oh. It felt like there was like 50 characters in this film, especially the Japanese version. Actually, no, I think I, because I watched them both next to each other. You I, can just I, binge them one after the other, back and forth, over and over, all week long. <laughs> I, yeah, I did like Japanese, American, Japanese, American. Uh, and I feel like my brain's just been bombarded with just so much stuff uh and i feel like i've forgotten all of it as a result um <laughs> overwhelmed with information yeah completely it's like... just so many characters and it's like what do you all do um but okay so you mentioned earlier about the uh the troubling aspect of this film which is the the blackface so mm. i suppose yeah because they were the solomon island natives so rather than getting oceanic people to play the part they had presumably Japanese people playing that role, but blacked up. Yeah. Now, I think, so th- this could probably cover our thoughts on every single Godzilla movie that does this, but yeah. like, I think preservation and presentation of these is fine with adequate context, you know? Um, and I think I spoke to you ages ago about this and you were saying how like, you know, it should be labeled on the disc or in the box in some way. Or before the film starts, maybe a little title card pops up. Remember that? Like yeah, that. yeah, something like that. Because I remember that Looney Tunes box set you had on DVD yep. that had, was it, there was an intro by Whoopi Goldberg, right? Yes, some of the Looney Tunes uh, DVDs I have include like, you know, racial stereotypes from the era. And yeah, some of them have the title card, which is just like pre- presented as they were for preservation's sake and cultural sensitivity they don't want to cut out the racism now because that makes it seem like it never happened you know and as you say there's another disc which has actually Whoopi Goldberg comes on and does basically a speech to that effect of just like yeah there's some racist stuff here it's not very amusing by today's cultural standard but we can't pretend it didn't happen and there is like a a value to it in a way of keeping it so we're neither of us are advocating that they should cut these Godzilla movies but we just feel like you should kind of be forewarned a little bit that there is some uncomfortable yeah. scenes in there. Yeah. And that's all there is, really. I don't think, I think that's, it's not 
any any more complicated than that really that people should just be kind of taken care of whilst they try to enjoy a Godzilla movie yeah it's not a bad thing yeah and I I've really found that um with that Looney Tunes thing specifically mm. that really stuck with me that line of um you know like by not including it it's like pretending it didn't exist yeah and you're I, kind of almost excusing it in a way yeah. it's like oh well they didn't mean it or we're just going to pretend that didn't happen it's like well it still happens now <laughs> yeah you know yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the Criterion Collection neglects to include such a warning on its any of its movies about this. Doesn't say it anywhere, does it? Yeah, and that is the only thing that I think both of us found irksome. The content, as you say, should be preserved as it is, as a historical artifact, if nothing else, regardless of whether or not you consider it to be entertaining. The movie as a whole, I mean, not those particular scenes. Um, I would argue that at the time of production, they were very unimaginative about this because they are going to a fictional location this is and what re- got me because it's like yeah you could have yeah a fictional location so you could have whatever islander you want you could pretend they were of east asian descent you could have blue whatever. people living there blue people it doesn't yeah doesn't matter like that, that they they it's just this notion of oh it doesn't really matter or it's not really important or whose feelings are we really hurting and that sort of glibness that as we say is still kind of present in modern day culture sadly and was obviously much more uh, acceptable in the past is what the the movie is guilty of of perpetuating um yeah. so it's a shame it's a shame it doesn't go on for too long um and i wouldn't want I to feel like it did <laughs> it, well, it, go, it does go on longer in, in the japanese cut i think yeah. actually well i have watched them like four times now so yeah it does mm, well, feel like a long for you. saturated i would if, if i was speaking to somebody who was uh, particularly sensitive to this for any reason mm. I would say it doesn't really detract from the film's enjoyment because if that's going to be the thing that turns you off this film, and fair enough if it does, you're probably going to have an issue with lots of other things about it and movies of that era. Like you talk about the sexism, Mm. which is present in in King Kong 33. There is still lots of sexism, even in the 90s and noughties Godzilla movies. So I think that people who are of a, a sense ability to avoid this sort of stuff would not find it... Um, they wouldn't be hugely put out by me saying like don't watch it if you're going to find that upsetting because they probably already know that they don't need me to tell them I don't need you to tell them that potentially I suppose but I do still think there should be a warning there so that everybody can sort of learn about it that's the thing I think part of it is expectation like if you're expecting this stuff when you're going in then you it's much different than being surprised by it Mm exactly so yeah so as characters go uh, there's so many Uh, I'm just going to let's just talk about the main ones, really. So you got Mr. Taco, who's played by Ichiro Arihima. So he's like this eccentric capitalist um, mm. pharmacy guy. Uh, Probably the most cartoony of the characters, oh, really. Yeah, definitely. And he comes across a lot more aggressive in the US cut, I thought. He's like, but in the Japanese cut, he's more, well, he is, you know, a greedy capitalist. Uh, oof, that's he's, a bit of redundancy there, greedy capitalist. Let's just say capitalist. Um, <laughs> you know, he's well, he's he's annoying, yeah. but you know, he's a he's a good character. He's more in the Japanese version, if I recall correctly. He has sort of almost like a kind of more pathetic sort of definitely. Rep- he's like very sort of like pitiful, yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah, and kind of gross in a in a way that he's not so much in the American one. He's more. It, they cut it in a way Stroppy. where he, he's presented yeah more eccentric and more sort of single-minded mm, so much yep. so as he's not so much as greedy you would say perhaps they have nullified that capitalist um critique a little bit 
yeah. knowingly or, or not. Yeah. Uh, it's a little less grimy in the American one, but the brevity helps the comedy a bit because he's not kind of, his character's not so drawn out. You can enjoy the humor. Yeah, that's true. I do, I do find that he is a funnier character in the Japanese version though. Oh, right. Because you see more of the nuance of his character, I think. Um, because you spend a bit more time with him, you kind of see that he's not just, he's not quite as caricature ish as he is mm. in the American one. I think I felt the other way around just because the American one is, is a, a more pacey film. Right. So you move from one thing to the next a little bit faster and I, it, it helps the, the jokes kind of come and go, you know, and it right. feels like punchy. And I like that notion to it. They're the same jokes effectively, but mm. pace is everything to me with these. So No, that, I mean, that's fair. So, yeah. well, he, he, I mean, I guess he works in both versions. Yeah, it depends really. on his perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, he was he was my favourite character. When I first watched it, I was like, oh, this guy. I was like, nah, I don't like you straight away. I remember you hating this character when we first watched oh, this. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, you really didn't like, not in like a, you know, you enjoyed not liking it, I think, but right. he has these little mini freakouts throughout the movie about not getting his own way and you're yeah. finding it sort of legitimately annoying, I think. <laughs> but maybe you've been softened by watching more Godzilla movies since. Yeah, maybe I've, maybe I've calmed down since then. Um, <laughs> um uh, then we've got who I think is kind of the, I guess this guy's the main character, I would say, um, Osamu Sakurai. He's played by Tadeo Takashima. Uh, so he's the cameraman, I guess. I think that's his job um, for um, the uh, Pacific Pharmaceuticals Company. He goes outside his job description for this. But that yeah. is his thing. He films King Kong when they first see him, right? Or, yeah, so like so. I think they they in the Japanese version they kind of make reference to the fact that he's filling holes in the company because like he's, mm. he's he's in one of the commercials as a drummer. Becomes like an everyman yes. problem solver so it's type like, employee. Yeah, exactly. So we you know we'll we'll send him to go look for look for Kong. Um and he goes with his the other guy, um, Fur- Furue, I think. Uh, I'm not sure who the actor was. Um, I, I'll be honest with this, though, right? This other mm. character who he goes to the island with, there's there's two guys there. Yep. And I always forget, through absent-mindedness, that that's not the fiancé character. Who's same, the, same. I always just feel like, oh, yeah, like... I of course, because they felt like they were buddy-buddy, and they had that same uh, dynamic between them. Yeah. And yeah. you kind of just like, yeah. I'm just not paying attention enough. Or maybe it speaks to my own racial bias and not recognising this is actually a different person <laughs> Essentially. that you're looking at. But, I, um, I don't know whether yeah. it's a racial thing because, I mean, there's so many white actors who I think are the same people. Yeah, all the big white actors of, of the current era look basically the same, all the Hollywood ones. People make fun of me for getting the, getting people confused. I'm like, I literally thought they were the same person. If but you're not I, watching basically the MCU, you wouldn't know the one from the other. <laughs> So yeah, I totally sympathise with that. But yeah, even on my even watching it this week, I had that notion of like, oh, that isn't the guy. Yeah, that's not the fiance. And I and as I was having that thought, I was like, and you and you thought this last time you watched it. <laughs> but the thing that makes me always realise that the fiance is obviously doing something else is because when he comes home, mm. and they have that scene where his neighbour realises he's not dead, she drops the dinner plate on the balcony. Right? She's yeah. like, Oh my god, you're not dead. Yeah. Good. Good scene. Mm. Um, why is she ca- where's she taking that food I think she was taking it to Fumi Fumiko 
Oh, what, to console her? Yeah, because she was like, oh, I'll take your mind off your, oh, your troubles. Okay. She couldn't cook in a grieving state. Maybe that was it. Because I was just like, what is she eating? What is she doing? Just yeah, carrying a dinner just plate walking around. about just, with food. Just, just to drop it was the... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it could have literally been anything, but food was a, a specific choice. But so you probably had more to say about Sakurai. I have no, no, I didn't have any more to say. Oh, move on to the you other. Know, I felt like he he was the main character. Basically, he felt yeah. like the main guy. And uh, I will I will say that he he's an enjoyable presence. I like even mm. with the, the the dub on the American version. I feel like the character is, you know, uh, so many of the human characters in many many of the Godzilla movies can become a bit of abrasive and irritating. Um, to me anyway (laughs) right and he's not I quite like the characters and I do think as I said before I think they're quite funny and I think they work well and the performances are of a type um, but it works the actual actor or the dubbing or both the acting right um, I mean the the dub is easy to criticise for its age and its general like approach but I think they the the actors are doing a a comedic performance in in this and you can say like oh well it's not that convincing sometimes is it but like the special effects are are also deliberately silly so i don't think that's what was what what they were going for so you can see that all the actors are doing a pretty good job of what they do and i think it's a really fun performance from all of them really i completely agree they really sold the the comedic aspect well yeah um and in, in a convincing way i think especially on the boat when they're shipping back kong um, mm. There's that little kind of you know with the with the dynamite plunger and Taco is kind of about to about to press it and their <laughs> their whole interaction between Sakurai, <laughs> Taco and the and the friend Furue. I can remember you shouting at the TV during that. Oh my god, what was I saying? <laughs> you were like, was I drunk? You were like, is he stupid? Can't believe it! Stop touching it! Like stuff like that. <laughs> I was clearly not understanding the comedy at the time. I guess I hadn't reached that point yet. <laughs> Well, we were having a fun time. But I oh, think yeah, I, I definitely remember enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow, I don't remember any of that. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, we've got uh, uh, Fumiko Sakurai. So she's played by Mia Hama. So she's Osamu's sister. And she's basically the scream queen uh, of this. You know, she's the she's the... One who should stop taking trains, really, because every time she gets on a train, something bad happens. Godzilla yeah, you, will appear, Kong will appear. It's a, it's a fair argument to say that it's less prevalent than the racism in this movie, there is the inherent sexism to that character just sort of being there. Yeah, a also, bit. I do like the way they sort of recreate some classic Kong moments with, with her. And it does, I mean, all she, all she is is like a screaming woman, which I think is is obviously reductive in its in its way. But still, I like, you know, she's on the train and that's reminiscent of the Kong train scene. And then yep. she, they have the yellow dress on her and she's the yes. one that Kong carries. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it has a point to it. It's, it's, it is still inherently sexist, not because of them doing that with her, but that's because, but because that's all she does is really what makes it a bit of a, a, a problem, I suppose. But it still, yeah. it still serves the movie and it is fun to watch. Yes. I mean, I only noticed because on our last recording for King Kong 1933, you mentioned how you saw the dress, right? Well, in the in the colorized version. Oh, in the colorized, it was it's, yellow. It's wasn't yellow, it? Sorry. and it's also yes. yellow on the 1933 posters. Yes. So, I mean, the only reason I noticed that was because of what you told me last time. So I I saw that and I was like, oh, I see they're referencing that moment, which I mm. thought was was quite cool because um, she. Uh, Fumi, she specifically changes her outfit at that point because it's cut out of the US one, but they're debating whether or not to evacuate. Mm. 
because they're like, well, Godzilla might not actually come here. And then they're like, oh, sorry, Kong might not actually come here. And then like seconds later, they're like, Kong's here. They're like, okay, let's go. And then she, yeah, in the next shot, she's in a different dress. So yeah, it was specifically for that moment. Uh, also um, like the bit in, in relation to evacuation, one of my favorite bits is when it's, I don't, I'm assuming it's a deliberate edit, but it may not be when they're talking this, they're talking about evacuating and they bump into this woman and her little boy on the balcony, right? Oh yeah. And like, what are you doing? Like, where are you going? Something like that. And mm. it just like hard cuts to the kids say, Godzilla. <laughs> and it's like, so like a jarring when you first see it, but it, it works what well, like, because it's kind of like, I guess they are escaping from Godzilla, but. I it, think that's, isn't that, oh, maybe that's different in the US one. It might be. It's, the dubbing as well is what parts what makes oh, it right. funny. So that, yeah. Um, so with uh, Fumi being in the yellow dress and being carried around by Kong, apparently RKO, when they licensed out God, um, King Kong, mm. they were like, you've got to have Kong pick up a woman and take her up a building. Not surprised to hear that. So, yeah. So that was specifically why that was there. So yeah, her uh, her appearance was probably solely based on that. People are so myopic, aren't they? Well, I kind yeah, yeah, you're right. You are absolutely right. I get why they're saying it. It's like brand identity, isn't it? In a way, they're yeah, like, this is on like, brand for Kong. You know, he likes the ladies. He takes them off a building, and it's like, it, yeah, the, it's myopic. I completely agree, but I get why they said it. The thing with it though is like, does he does he climb the Tokyo Diet, you know, National Diet Building, or mm. um, to get away from anybody? <laughs> no, he no. Just, they, they, like, they've I'm made it, it so that him taking a woman and climbing up somewhere and the diet building is not even that tall in, it's in relation. Very, it's like it's like standing on a table. Yeah, it, well, for yeah, him. for Kong it is, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. in real world terms, how tall do you think it is? Maybe like 40 stories, maybe? Not even that. Not that. Not even we would drive fast it one day, didn't we, when we were in, in Japan? Probably. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it. Um, God, what... I'm not remembering any of this. Uh, I'm I, glad you're here to fill in the gaps in my life's history. Um, yeah, it's a small building. so Yeah, it's a small building. I yeah. don't know why Kong would climb it. And this is, this is kind of what I'm saying about RKO. Getting really off topic, but when they say like, oh, he has to pick up a woman and climb up a building, they're kind of missing the point of why he originally did that. And they're making it like this kind of, char- it's a character trait based on what motivation. It's just what Kong does because it's in his nature to grab women and climb buildings. In 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 the original movie, that's, part of the story that he's a he likes um you know a- and arrow and he takes her up the up the building to escape all the commotion it, it makes sense you know he doesn't just do it because it's his thing it's like um i suppose like if you think of like you know any famous musician for example mm-hmm. they have a hit song yeah P- audiences expect it now i think with movies I think a lot of uh, like RKO, for example, they'll be like, "Well, people are expecting it." You know, That's, we've got we've got totally snow fair, we've got yeah. snow globes with Kong on the Empire State. We've got Christmas decorations to sell with Kong climbing the yellow dresses. Yeah, they've got all of that, and they've got they they want to they're going to capitalize on it. And they're like, "Well, this this is his thing." That this makes in, a lot this sense, incidental yeah. moment is his thing now. Why not have him climb like uh, like a a fictional a pagoda, but like a really big one then? And do something really impressive. Why have him climb? They seem a, a to small building. I think part of maybe I think part of the enjoyment. I you know maybe I'm taking this too seriously, <laughs> but I think part of it is maybe Japanese audiences they like seeing. I know I would. I would like seeing you know what King Kong uh, on Big Ben. 
Yeah. Oh, like, yeah if he comes yeah, to London, yeah. I don't want it to be on a fictional building. I'll be like, oh. But well, like a sh- pagoda me- is like a Japanese thing. Maybe that's a reductive way to look at it as well. I don't know. But I suppose maybe they were hoping for the same kind of iconicness of yes. the Empire State. It's like, well, here's the National Diet Building, you know, where they do all the food. Uh, <laughs> I just want to look up how tall it is just quickly because I think it's important for people who may have not seen or can't remember the film. Just how, how big is this building? Um, well, okay, so Kong, he's like, what, 45 metres tall? Well, he, he sort of changes height within this movie. So the um, the National Diet Building, which is um, in Tokyo, Japan, is 65 metres tall. Okay. Which I would say is probably about the same height that King Kong is supposed to be in this film. Mm. And I'm thinking about, just as we've been talking, this notion has occurred to me, that this is maybe an intentional joke in itself that I've just overlooked that, yes, the building is small. Why is he going up there? I think it's probably the most iconic building in Japan at the time, or at least Tokyo. That's why I feel like they could have done a pagoda, because they, they smash a pagoda later on. Oh, that castle, yeah, the Atami castle. And it's like, they could have just done that and maybe just made it look like, I don't know, a bit bigger. Or he tries to climb it and it like topples over or something funny like that, I don't know. I it's, think, it's like, I think it's, they wanted to sell some t-shirts with Kong on the National Diet Building. You're right. It's like, oh, this is like, we want the audience to see something that they recognise, and I guess they would recognise this. And Tokyo, despite its like metropolistic nature, is not known for tall buildings during this time. I mean, mm. when was the Tokyo Tower built? Surely that was around. Uh, when we went to Tokyo, it wasn't it like an anniversary? It was, I'm trying to think what anniversary oh, it was. Oh, it was, it was opened in 1958. So why didn't he just climb... That would have been a good one. Similarly to to the Empire State, it would have been recently built, mm. easy to popularise. Maybe it wasn't popular when it was built. I mean, it's an iconic thing now, this red and white tower. Obviously, a lot of people know it. Yeah. Uh, these days, you you would have to do the sky tree. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, the idea that they would have this kind of Eiffel Tower facsimile and not use it, uh, and they use the diet building. It, it doesn't look as good, and it's small. The but, diet, you mean? Yeah, the diet building. <laughs> no, that's what... Yeah, yeah it's... it's. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're saying... Poor, poor choice. They fucked it 60 years Sorry, ago. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take it that it's kind of like a gag, perhaps. And especially that the gov- government is involved in some way. Mm. That it's some sort of, like, humorous, like, oh, he's climbing, like, the Houses of Parliament, effectively, you know. Yeah. Um, isn't that humorous? I, I guess, guess that's so. it, yeah. But, um, we'll we'll the, chalk it up to that. The other thing I was going to say on this point is just like this notion that we must have Kong do the same thing can mm. also be read from a direction of uh, making movies like this, comedy movies with King Kong and Godzilla, in some way damages the legacy of their original instalments, which is a pretty big debate in a way. Because um, it just cartoonifies it. It can cartoonify it, yeah. And if you boil characters down like that to make their iconic activities just the things they do without reason Mm. that can have an impact of just like what is the point of this like Darth Vader is a really classic example of this and probably the most um, significant example you could use to say like when a character has been introduced as pretty frightening figure and over a series of decades become less and less impactful to the point where unless you're a diehard star wars fan it's pretty much meaningless Mm. like darth vader's breath and his presence and his like stature and all the voice and that have been used in so many different ways now for larks and like jokes or 
you know, theme park things. It's just like, it's hard, at least for me, and I think a lot of other people, when you see Darth Vader is on the cereal box for like some Cocoa Pops thing, <laughs> it's like, this guy's not as scary. Yeah. But in some in- instances, I'm like I said, I'm, I would say that I agree that Darth Vader has been sort of um, castrated, if you will, over the years. But with Godzilla versus King Kong, it's interesting that actually it's the original director of Godzilla who's approached this movie and made it with their own intent in mind. And when a lot of people kind of come to this and say, oh, it's kind of lowered the tone um, of Godzilla or King Kong and it's kind of like cartoonified it, as you say, it's like, well, it's still part of the same like um, sort of school of thinking from the same people. It's just a different interpretation. Um, and I know this criticism was leveled against um, King of the Monsters, the modern MonsterVerse movie, when they did a lot of kind of um, stuff with the action, with the nuclear stuff that I think people sort of took issue with that because it was Americans adapting Godzilla. The nuclear element became more of a spectacle than a um, kind of a topic of discussion, you mm-hmm. know, that it was a bit trite and and insensitive to its Japanese origins. But this becomes like a very complex issue because then it's like, well, the Japanese producers made their serious drama horror movie about the bombings that occurred and Godzilla is created out of that and all the lucky dragon boat things that we talked yeah. about. And then they go on to make all these comedies and Godzilla is is mostly now, overwhelmingly, it's mostly a comedic family-friendly thing. Yeah. So it's just interesting to look at stuff and hear people saying, oh, this has really lowered the tone of this, when actually... But who said that it's lowered the tone? I think critically, and the creators of, of Kong were not pleased with, with this because of its... Oh, I see. Oh, with Kong like, specifically, sorry. Well, that's one example. Right. I, I think just generally, I think people do look at Godzilla's sort of demise, if you will, into family-friendly comedies as like a bit of a fall from grace from like this like very lofty, like deeply reverent drama that we you know, in the original movie but my point yeah. is is that if it's come from the original source whether it be like the original director writer um in honda or just toho or if that's just what japanese people are enjoying clearly yeah. godzilla is popular he was popular from his outset as a horrific figure and he still is popular as a intimidating you know monster but he's also been enjoyed as a a family-friendly cartoon character it's like mm. It's criticism that's not really always valid to me because although I agree that there are a lot of bad Godzilla movies and there are a lot of good ones and it's a shame when one can sometimes tarnish the other, there's room for everything to exist in harmony depending on what kind of mood you're in or what the audience is and it can be for more than just one group of people and I don't feel like making this King Kong versus Godzilla movie has in any way damaged King Kong 1933. It's too big a, a cultural thing for them to damage 33 and likewise with Godzilla as, as well so yeah. I think it's it's fine to make an outright comedy like this and be really really silly um, yeah I think so I mean it's with, separate you know yeah I think with maybe not so much Kong but especially with Godzilla is that um even though you know his genesis was through something horrific as we've talked about before the best uh Godzilla stories are when there's like where, where he's a vehicle for a, a message or that those tend to be the better ones ideologies but, and ethos yeah, and things, things like, like that. that and so like you know there's room for him to be a vehicle for something funny 
Mm. You know, I think his character especially is adaptable. You know, is sorry, not adaptable, but malleable to those to whatever you want it to be. If there's something you really want to say, Godzilla's a good vehicle to do that. Maybe, yeah, I think maybe against Kong, not so much because there wasn't really a specific. I don't know. I suppose that could apply to Kong as well. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say it's it's harmed his reputation in any way. No, it, if anything, it's kept it alive. Not that it was ever really going to diminish. I mean, in, in this time now, it's hard to imagine there not being a King Kong um, or that, or for that to ever to fall away into some kind of obscurity. But I can't imagine this hurt at all. Um, no, really. No. But I, I don't think these specific characters suffer. I think that's actually kind of their strength in a way. Mm. You shouldn't be overly protective and keep things in a box where they just do one thing over and over and never change because that becomes boring. You should be open to the risk of like, what if Kong did something different? Um, and I think, you know, that is actually why Godzilla vs. Kong, the, the modern movie, is so good because you get to see these characters revitalized in like CG with like modern action. And it doesn't take away at all from the cultural importance of like King Kong 1933 because they're so separated by time and, you know, media. I wonder if there's a fear from at least RKO's point of view that it could end up looking like a Japanese property. It could look mm. like a, you know, so there needs to be that callback to his origins, which yes. is an RKO thing. And they're like, we don't want you to forget that. Like, yeah, he's in this Toho movie, but don't forget, you know, where he came from. And uh, maybe that's the reason why they're being so... Protective. So protective over over this idea of, you know, this iconic moment or you know whatever um mm. so they don't want they don't want his character or his his uh behavior even to to change it's maintaining that brand identity yeah because yeah. if it ends up being the hu- a huge movie like you know like it is or was um you know people might associate king kong with that specific iteration mm. and you know that and that could uh undercut what rko rko have achieved or want people to remember them for you know yeah you could argue that rko was trying to protect its financial interests at a time when the company was virtually non-existent by that point as well yeah yeah absolutely but it's interesting that if you had been lucky enough to see king kong 1933 multiple times and then went to see king kong versus godzilla you would just be seeing kong do the same thing over and over and i can't see how that is we know from repetition in media and again star wars being the the prime example that people only want the same thing over and over and over and that is they're very much in the right frame of mind to say can king kong please do the king kong thing so we can make a a few bucks off it even why i would think otherwise is just yeah even in the in this story like it follows the same beats as 1933 as well especially with kong you know it's like they go to the island you don't see him for a long time they see him they knock him out with a substance whether it's a gas bomb Bomb, or a a berry air-based vapor waves yeah and then they put him on a raft take him back to their homeland you know, it, all those things are actually exactly the same, and it's all kind of a mute point, really. Because I, uh, as we both said, we like the, we like it, we like it when he picks up the train, we like it when he picks up the woman, we like yeah. it when he goes up the building. So, <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, they should have taken more risks, but we especially liked those moments. I just, yeah, I just, I, I like what they did. I dislike the presumption they couldn't have done something different. Yep. Okay, so that covers Fumi. Next character. <laughs> yeah, talked about. There isn't much to say about her, is it? Really, she's a bit. She comes across a bit of a nag, uh, which is unfortunate. Oh no! I thought she was. 
do you think she's a nag? I don't think she sounds like a nag. Well, she's she has a she has a typical sibling like relationship with her brother, where she's like telling him what to do and stuff, right? And it's kind of a bit bossy mm. of him, mm. which I think is fine. But it's it's very kind of like I say, it's typical of like a a, a minor female role is easily characterised as like, oh, you know, you know this kind of girl, don't you? We've all met one of those. It has that sort of vibe to it. I suppose a little bit, yeah. And I, I would disagree yeah. with it, although I think the actress is good at, in the role. So she has she has a slightly bigger part in the Japanese version. They mm, have more interaction yeah. when they're having their final meal together before they all go off and there's a bit more bit more nuance there a bit more development um and then we've got continue with the characters uh <laughs> kazuo fujita so that this is the this is the fiance of this is fiance he's played by kenji sahara uh yeah he's, he's the fiance he makes string and that's that <laughs> attractive guy though i will say because I, so often I, we get i, fellas I thought samu was uh i thought he was oh. the the tasty piece Okay. Mm. Well, I was just going to say, like, often we're presented with the the visage of the fiancé, shall we say, mm. uh, the fiancé archetype, and I'm like, really, this is the guy? <laughs> but this time I was like, this is the guy. I mean, don't go, yeah, he, he is an attractive guy. I'll just, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who's sexist now? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> um, actually, I was pleased that their relationship wasn't a shoehorned in, let's have the main and the the male and the female get together you know that that whole byplay. You know, I'm, I'm glad that that wasn't the focus. And I would argue that much more so than what is it, Anne Darrow? What's the guy's name in King Kong? Uh, Driscoll. Yeah, they have this supposed romance, and when she, when she's in trouble, I don't think this guy, macho sailor as he may be, has got any uh, ability to do anything about it, really. But when um when uh, you know this guy's fiance is in peril because Kong's taken her, I'm like. That even their shallow connection they've set up is enough for me to feel like, oh yeah, they care. He cares about this girl, and he wants it to like not go bad. And they need to, they need to sort it out. They need to save her. Mm. And I feel like, yeah, as as kind of yeah, thin as it is, I I did get like that notion from it, which I think is missing sometimes in a lot of these sort of um, repetitive damsel in distress things. I felt like he actually did care about her. That's uh, sorry that Kazuo actually cared about Fumi. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like when he goes, when he goes, drives up to Hokkaido to save her. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I really, yeah. I, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like that's kind of a missing element, or it's taken for granted that yes. we're just going to presume an emotional connection, mm. and especially you know, in in these Japanese movies, the romances are often played quite subtly. Mm. But yeah, I felt like, oh yeah, she's actually in trouble, and she seems really afraid, and he doesn't seem too happy about it either. They want to get her back to safety and they do and you're like oh yeah it's good i nice. think yeah there's a particularly good moment when he when he brings her back to the car after he saves her from the river their little dynamic there is quite uh looks quite real although it's well acted mm. um and yeah i think maybe it helps having you know that their relationship was already established rather than it being a blossoming blossoming relationship yeah it you know? feels slightly more mature than yeah. the same sort of like will they won't they yes uh, over you know that's well trodden territory mm. and you know that will they won't they is almost certainly going to end up in they will yep um so yeah i think that maybe adds a freshness to it where you feel like oh yeah this is like a maybe a bit more mature of a relationship and yeah the, the love triangle in the original godzilla isn't completely uninteresting but it that was is quite very- an interesting take to have a love triangle like that i think the way it sort of plays with 
cultural norms yes. in Japan is is really good. Yes. But still, you kind of know how it's going to play out. Oh, I get you. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's, I don't think that's to do with it being an old movie either. I think it would have been predictable when it was made. Mm. For, but that's what people want, as we have already talked about. Predictability and repetitive uh, stuff is how, is a moneymaker. With so. that, though, how much do people really want that? Like, really? I think this is the, this is a silent majority thing. Mm, maybe. That pe- people do, by and large like that stuff and they're not the kind of people who sit down and record to our podcasts about Godzilla. <laughs> so I think we have to presume that if if, if Hollywood is doing it, as we have talked about on and off the podcast, they will do what does, they will do what makes money no matter what it is yep. until it stops making money. So the day that people don't want romance in films, you'll stop seeing it. <sighs> so sit tight, mate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I mean that that's kind of the majority of the Japanese cast. So the the US version. Oh yeah. So, so because of the way it's cut, they cut out a lot, a lot of footage, and then um, reconstructed it with new scenes to be like a, a news broadcast. So these mm. are these are the um, American-based actors. Um, so you have Eric Carter, the UN reporter, who's played by Michael Keith. Dr. Arnold Johnson, played by Harry Holcomb, and Yutaka Omura, played by James Yagi. Um, and they're there essentially just to facilitate exposition and speed things up. Yeah, and it does serve that purpose well in a, some regards. I think a few of these new segments don't add as add that much, actually. As the movie goes mm. on, you could do with less of them, and there are scenes where they talk about something in the these... Uh, United Nation news broadcasts, which are they a real thing in the real, mm, the real world? No, I don't think so. Um, they'll they'll put some exposition in, and then it cuts back to the you know the movie as it is. And there's one scene in particular where I can't remember exactly what was being said, but the newsreader said almost the exact same thing <laughs> that you then hear on a car radio in the next shot. Yeah. It just feels like you don't really need all of them i get it when they introduce it at the beginning and i think for the time it was a good solution for expositional gaps but it does almost at times sort of nullify the tension that the movie has because they're talking about events in like mixed tense like sometimes it's past tense right and sometimes it's present tense and you're just like well has this happened then already or is it happening now yeah yeah um it's it's odd yeah it's a bit hit and miss really mm. like the idea is good but just not that well executed yeah uh, i think it established a stereotype which a lot of people who maybe aren't directly familiar with godzilla would assume that all western godzilla movies sort of do this sort of thing which is maybe not necessarily the case although they certainly do they make up solutions of this type but yeah i think this sort of news broadcast from the english part of the world about this japanese mm. thing is really a common cliche after this being a big example of it. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, I think that the US, sorry, the UN news segments are probably my only criticism of the American cut, really. I completely agree. Uh, yeah. They they do serve their purpose, just not, not brilliantly. Um, yeah, you could probably just do with maybe three. One yeah. beginning, 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 middle and end would be enough. Yeah. There's actually kind of maybe like five or six, and sometimes they just pop up when you're like, I, I know what's going on, guys. I wonder like, if they wanted to make it feel like more of a more of a thing. 
you know, rather than it looking like one guy looking at a camera cut in, cut into sequences from another movie. So they wanted to elaborate on it more. So that's probably why it felt like it dragged because they wanted to actually make it a part of the movie. They like invest in the motif a bit too heavily, you say. Well, but yeah. Like, what I, else could they do? Yeah, really? exactly. I think that's what they wanted to do. But mm. yeah, it's just, yeah, it sadly does make it drag. But I would never say that the American version drags in comparison to the Japanese no, one. No, no. With the first hour of it, although not completely meritless, is really, really sl- like sleep-inducingly slow. Um, on my first watch, I felt like that. Second watch, it was better. I think I suffered my first watch because I had I've been familiar with the American one for you know nearly twenty years. Mm. So then I watched the Japanese one and I was just like, "Oh, it's been a while since I watched any version of this. Was it always this slow?" And you know, usually I'd watch it with a friend like you or with my wife, and we'd be enjoying it. And, yeah, you know, half watching it sort of thing at times. And yeah, you know, I was just like, "Oh my god! Like, when is something going to happen?" And that's an all too familiar thing in in Godzilla movies, just generally mm. of of, of I think my anticipation of things of, of things getting going and the story moving and seeing action is heightened more so with Godzilla as a franchise than it is other things. Like, you know, I'm not like sort of tapping my foot and <laughs> fidgeting about for the action to start when I'm watching a movie like Dune, you know, I'm okay to just watch it. But because I'm, I'm like, where's Godzilla? Yeah. You know, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? I'm <laughs> yeah. like that. And it makes it harder to watch the <laughs> Japanese version of <laughs> of uh, King Kong versus Godzilla because I'm just like, come on, like who at any point in time thought that it was sensible to wait an hour yeah. <laughs> before this this versus is in the title? Yeah. So like when you, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've I don't know whether we've covered their character as such, but Godzilla and Kong themselves. They're quite simple in this one. I think, like you said before, yeah. Kong is the protagonist pretty much and gets more to do in kind of both versions, whereas Godzilla is maybe you could say reduced down to purely a threat. Yeah, because like he, yeah, he just seems like when his first his first moment, I suppose, is when these he attacks the submarine, uh, and that seems quite menacing. You hear his roar outside the sub. It's like, oh, oh, here we go. Um, <laughs> but he's not too scary either he's still quite family friendly and yeah and that's, they, don't, they don't bother with uh, really trying to make him actually he's more fun to watch him destroying stuff for right from the outset pretty much yeah and he, that's that's kind of his his role is mm. very surface level uh but yeah like you say yeah kong uh you know substance abuser kong uh <laughs> i think he comes across as like i when i first watched it i thought oh god he's such a doofus and, well, but it was the way he looks. Uh, well, there's that too. It's um, a very mean thing to think. But uh, like, just that, like, yeah, he's getting drunk. He's being carried around, and there's that, you know, in, in, the, <laughs> yeah. in the last fight when he does that rolling dodge and he knocks himself out on the rocks. And it's just like he just seems like such an oaf. Yeah, it's, you're right, actually. But I guess when you take it as like this is just a comedy, it's like yeah, it is, it's supposed to look stupid. It's supposed to be like that. Yeah, um, I think it was a good idea to. Like the thing that they did do where they kind of, I think they did take some risks to reinvent Kong a bit was to essentially give him superpowers. Make him an electric type Pokemon even. Yeah. You know, he he takes a bite of the old electric spaghetti, juices him up, (laughs) you know, and I think that's, uh, I think that was a a good way to take on because obviously Godzilla is so powerful. It's like, well, how could Kong possibly beat him? And I think that was a good, that was a good risk they took to, 
kind of given those electric superpowers essentially yeah I, I guess you could argue like oh is this like kind of like again diminishing the character in, into something that it's not i mean it's not a little the 33 bit. character it's a different kong mm. uh so yeah when i first watched it, i was just like this is a bit nonsense isn't it but i think again it's like yeah they kind of joke about with the fact that godzilla is obviously stronger yeah he, he breathes atomic breath um and they need to beef kong up so they give him this electric power and it's supposed to be like he needs it so we gotta figure something yeah he's got a superpower now (laughs) (laughs) and it's like they do the same thing with the axe in the modern one which is a much better solution it is yeah yeah that's a generally better movie uh if it's okay to say that i think it generally is yeah i think that's i think that's (laughs) fair I wonder, this is the thing though, is like we are very much enjoying and obviously discussing the 60, 60s version of this, you know, matchup. Uh, I wouldn't say it holds up perfectly by any means, but it creates its own historical sort of moment and it's interesting to look back on. Yeah. Are people going to be watching Godzilla versus Kong in 60 years, in, in 2081? Mm. Going to be a couple of white boys doing a podcast on that? Probably. I guess that's a more comment on podcasting than the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's but, yeah. Whether mm. okay in the public conscience, do you think? Yeah, will it hold up? Probably not. Mm, sadly, not. And I think that, in my own opinion, and I'm you know not to make a, a singular discussion of this, but it's I think the volume of CGI action movies we have now is so vast that it will outdate far quicker than King Kong versus Godzilla did in the sixties which was already made to look silly at the time on purpose. So it kind of like sits in this little like costumed, you know, wrestling match thing, which is was fun then and is fun now. Whereas the CG of Godzilla versus Kong is likely to date or if not be replaced with something which looks far more exciting. Yeah, because like these ones, they, they're a niche. Whereas, mm. you know, a CG action movie is not niche in any regard so no you're right yeah it's 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 yeah it's the big thing and yes yeah suit actors fighting i mean you you would never even see that now um i i mean i don't know i think it's possible if you think about something like um team america world police oh it's yeah 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 okay then it's definitely possible and you know i wish they'd done another one of those not not the same exact thing but they could have done more puppetry marionette things mm. with that sort of movie maker was I, I it's torturous to make uh you know if you look into the making of that film mm. it's, it's obvious why they didn't do more of them yeah. but it was a great movie when it came out i've not seen it for a long time so i don't know if i would enjoy it now but i, I really liked it when it came out and i could certainly see, see some comedians doing something with costumes like that um but yeah you know i see what you're saying it's like it, it makes the point well that the modern Godzilla versus Kong is not in any way a singular experience. You can get that same experience somewhere else. Pretty much, yeah. I still feel like it's my current favourite of any Godzilla movie, though. Still, I would go on record say it's it's my absolute favourite one. Interesting, interesting. I don't think I don't think I actually have a favourite. Uh, uh, probably All Out Attack. Well, that's the thing. I guess you can separate these things out into eras or like, is it practical effects or digital effects? Is it American or Japanese? Well, I, yeah, you Which, could do. But even yeah. even as a whole, I, I always want to watch it. Yeah, as a, for all that entertainment, if I was going to sit down and I just want press play, I'm going to have a good time. I know I can get that. Um, all that attacks is fantastic. But um, personally, I would 
yeah, maybe not watch it as frequently. Just start my own personal choice. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, so yeah, the suits in this. So Kong's suit. I mean, <laughs> I laughed when he first appeared on screen. I thought it was laughably bad. Um, it's not great, and I don't know. This is entirely deliberate, not to make this too repetitive a point about every single thing, but like this doesn't feel like they they knew how awful it looked necessarily. Yeah, I I, I think so. Uh, and the arms change length at certain times. Yeah, there's so, like there's points when he's running to Tokyo and his arms are up and he's just looks hilarious. He goes from being sort of like purely ape-like as you would imagine Kong to be. And then he's more like orangutan-esque yes, at times. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so RKO, again, they said this, like, even though they wanted the moments, like, you know, taking the girl up the building and stuff, uh, they demanded that he not look anything like the 1933 King Kong. That's interesting because when I watched it, I was like, oh, they've really tried to get the face as close <laughs> as they could. And they've really just, you know, maybe they had the face absolutely spot on and they got that note through from America and they're like, we've got to take a blowtorch to this face and just yeah. <laughs> reduce it down a bit. Because it's like, but yeah, the face is awful, completely expressionless. Because even with it being a man in a costume and at this early stage in the series, like the Godzilla has some motion in the face and sort mm. of, you know, the mouth moves and he, the, the voice helps a bit. Mm. King Kong's just like... It's yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, yes, some eye animations that might be. Does it? Yeah. Well, one of the suits does. It might only mm. be like a half suit. Fleeting or something. eye animation. Yeah, like yeah. when um, I think when Godzilla blows up that helicopter with his atomic breath, he does this like Kong does this like blinking like. Huh? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember having a good laugh about yes. that. So yeah, there's a few bits like that. <laughs> um, but they went to a lot of trouble making the suit because apparently it's yak fur. That's what the suit's made out of, and that's really expensive. Uh-huh. I'm it, sure they could have. Maybe, they could, yeah, they I mean, could use literally anything, and I think it would have looked the same. We take our modern manufacturing technologies for granted, probably, in as much that maybe they just had to get some real fur. Yeah, I suppose to, he, to do it. it was getting wet as well, so maybe yak fur was would make sense. But yeah, ugly AF. Yeah, Godzilla doesn't look anywhere near as bad by comparison. No, I mean, he looks quite rubbery. Um, but they, they made some like significant changes to him. So they, they, he used to have four toes and they gave him three because apparently four is bad luck in Japan. So they're like, well, it's the whole Yakuza thing, isn't it? Uh, explain. So, um, I'll use an analogy for this of sorts, but, uh, in the West, we're very used to seeing our cartoon characters with, with four fingers, you know, Mm. Um, a thumb and three fingers I suppose and in Japanese animation they always do a full five oh. and this is this is because when you're in the Yakuza the organised crime mafia of Japan um, and you you know if you do something that is is frowned upon by the Yakuza um, you can be punished by being made to cut off your pinky or a finger right. so in and that that means that in public, you will, can be singled out as a potential criminal. That's why they, they make that the punishment. And if you happen to have less than five fingers on your hand, you could become stigmatised in Japanese culture, potentially. I don't mean this as a modern problem as such, although it, won't, it may well be, but it's certainly a historic one. Mm. Um, and I guess that is why they decided to reduce Godzilla's toes to three instead of four, maybe. Yeah, that's, well, I guess that's it. That's got to be it. Um 
Yeah, so they reduced his toes to three. Uh, they took away his little ears, which I don't think they come back until Godzilla 2000. Uh, yeah, the ears are a bit I like, like a, a non-event to me. Oh. Like, put them on, take them off. Like. Yeah, yeah, fine. Uh, <laughs> and they gave him bigger dorsal plates as well. Yeah, which I guess adds, again, to the more like, this is like the more car- comic book, cartoony, yeah. action, amped up you know, in its way sort of thing. So I think the suits were designed to be more flexible for their fight scenes. Mm. Um, so the actor who was in Kong's suit, he was actually sewn in to the suit. So he was in there for hours at a time while they were doing Jesus. Yeah. It's uh, quite, quite hefty. So they had, there were three, we had three fights. You know, he film. just took a piss in that suit, don't you? He must've done, you know, <laughs> probably like when they're in the big pool or something, you know, um uh yeah so they had three fights so the first one was between kong and the octopus so oh yeah yeah so that was a uh like a it was live live octopus in a miniature set and they had that model the face hugger model as well which looked particularly disgusting seamless uh (laughs) special effects transition there (laughs) the sound there was horrible i really do like seeing the, the the giant octopus composited against the, the the real people like so poorly because um, it's just fun um but it is a, such a trope as well um then we got the uh and then there were two fights between kong and godzilla i think the final fight was the best one i think that was the funniest one as well like you, yeah and that's kind of what you've been waiting for makes sense yeah like um just the start of the final fight i thought was hilarious like when they just dropped him like from yeah. those balloons, like from like yeah. I don't know how high, and he just landed straight on his back and rolled down the mountain, such an unceremonious way. And you both you get shots of both of them as basically like cuddly toys being chucked down yeah. the side of the mountain. Like the shot of Godzilla rolling down the side of the hill is like something you would like win out of a crane game. Yeah, it's like a little yeah. toy Godzilla. It's so like obviously not um, done in any sense of seriousness. Yeah, well, that- and of course this has everybody's favorite bit. Everybody's favorite part of any Godzilla movie is in this fight scene. Yeah, with the the tree in the mouth. Tree in the mouth. So good. Um, it's probably responsible for more pro- more long term Godzilla fans have been birthed from watching this one scene. <laughs> probably than any other Godzilla moment, I would expect. Yeah. Um. So I I, I mean I got a touch on it before, but yeah um yeah the studio wanted the, everything to be funny, and so they were constantly getting notes um for all the fights to be as funny as possible. And mm. Tsuburaya, the special effects director, he was like totally on board. And whereas Honda wasn't so much with his, like, you know, the human scenes. Um, Different kind of humor in mind, as you said. Yeah, earlier, exactly. So this whole idea of having like funny fights, that I think this essentially laid the groundwork for the rest of the Showa era. I, f- yeah, I think this is the this sets up the what we come to expect for yeah pretty much everything until Heisei period. Perhaps. I think some of them are slightly more self-serious, a, a, a smidge more like, oh, this is a, a, a sci-fi story a little bit. Yeah. But they're, they're always a sense of ridiculousness in all of these. Yeah. I mean, I think our, our viewing of these, like, it's a bit patchy because we've seen... Bits and pieces. Yeah, we've seen bits and pieces. Like, some you've seen, some I've seen, some we've seen together, mm. but it's not all of them. So, yeah, we couldn't say definitively this part of, part of the journey that this podcast is taking, I suppose. Uh, we'll see. But I, I believe, yeah, this is, the, this is the framework. But, yeah, like you say, you know, they do, some can be more serious than others. Um, yeah. 
But the yeah, the uh the fights in this were so much better than raids, because like raids I know we spoke about it before, uh, Godzilla raids again, that the fights they looked especially goofy because they had was it they had overcranked no undercranked the footage. undercranked yes yeah so oh, yeah. the fights look too fast um but not only that i don't think the choreography was really there it was just sort of yeah it's really just like two monsters looking at each other and smashing they they smash a castle in that one don't they, they do yeah and the, i mean when they grapple as well it's just sort of like it's just two two guys in suits messing about almost. Yeah, if you imagine it being in slow motion as it was intended to be, it would have been quite dull. Yeah, probably would have been, yeah. Um so well the the two suit actors, they I think they they knew martial arts of some well, clearly. some yeah, degree. And because uh, they, they choreographed the fights themselves. Uh, yeah, that and, makes sense. I guess. And, yeah, and that's that's and that's what they went with. Just on this tree thing once more. Yes, though, I think you and I benefited from the sort of um, it not being an already established funny thing. Exactly. Yeah, this sort of terminally online existence that we all live now means that most people will have been able to to see a gif of this. Yeah, without any context. Yep. Um, but yeah, seeing it when you didn't know it was coming, that was a really nice experience, which is. You know, not always uh, possible these days with old movies. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah, because uh, I did think that when I was rewatching it, because I was expecting mm. it to come up. I was like, because when we kind of like talk about our favorite moment in the film, which we'll get to, uh, you know, I was like, oh, am I going to pick this bit again? And I was <laughs> like, well, I mean, it, it is my favorite bit, but I, was like, I, I picked it, I picked a new a new favorite that's not quite yeah. so. You know, this is maybe more a favorite memory more than it's a favorite part in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, there wasn't as much miniature. I mean, there was a, there was miniature work in this, but I don't mm. feel like there was quite as much as there has been in the previous two. I would not. I would not say this is cutting corners by any means, but I think they do save themselves some money on the budget by setting pretty much all the fights just in like mountainous valley areas mm. where there's no buildings. Um, and I don't mind it really because at, at least at this point we haven't seen that yet. I know we'll see a lot more of it. Mm. We'll probably see the same valley and the same mountain. And, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, it suits. I think. I think the spectacle of Godzilla versus King Kong is enough that we don't always need them to be like in Shanghai, for example, at this stage. Or smashing buildings. Yeah, and they do have the one sort of castle destruction scene. Yeah, um, which could play as a metaphor for the destruction of <laughs> King Kong and Godzilla's reputation absolutely but, um, i think it's just a bit of fun really yeah i think that bit was especially good like when it's ripping apart you can see the concrete and it looked like the steel and stuff of the building i think there's yeah. a, lot, a lot of detail in there but still at the point where the miniature work is beyond compare beyond compare yeah yes um the only trouble i have with the miniature work is when they do people and because they always look like little dolls and it's fine, but I, I know from other films that I've seen after this point that they actually get worse. Oh, so, like in this one, you know, when Taco is com- you know coming down from the helicopter, it looks like a Ken doll squatting for a shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's hilarious. I mean, uh, looking at that character and the way he comes down off the winch, it's kind of in a similar way, and it's funny. So it works, but um, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, they they put less effort in with when it comes to modeling people 
in miniatures is it's never that's that's always a bit that lets it down for me well this will come to bear for us but the movies are going to get cheaper yep they're going to get come out mm, faster there's going to be a sort of uh curve in the creativity and then maybe a little bit of drop off maybe i think yeah um but yeah i i think they create their own tone, I think. So we'll have to address this as and when we come to it. But <laughs> yeah. it, it may, maybe, you know, the odd bit of poor miniature work will sort of have its appeal at the time, depending on what movie you're watching. So. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, we've already talked a bit about the, a little bit about the differences between the US and the Japanese version. But the Japanese version, when I watched it, I noticed that the the scan of the film, like mm. it seemed like they were changing film stock even in the middle of shots. And it was kind of giving this appearance of like, you know, when you're streaming a movie or something and it buffers from SD yeah, to HD yeah. while you're watching. Yeah. And I was like, why is that? Like, this seems really strange. And I was looking it up. Apparently it's known for being a poorly preserved film. Yeah, I read this on the wiki page as well. That yeah. Like, it's been chopped about quite a bit. Uh, just generally Hmm. um, and scenes have just been lost and right from the off in the American version when they first show the UN building um, for their first UN news segment I'm assuming it's stock footage of the era because it looks like it was filmed on the cheap probably just to be used in newsreels and probably used over and over and over Hmm. it's so grainy and dirty the US one was very grainy and dirty yeah. yeah And it's just like, it's, it's practically the first shot of the movie. And it's like, wow, yeah. look how wretchedly old this looks. Not all of it looks like that. It's inconsistent, like you say. But I think it's been a victim of like, kind of been treated sort of as not worth very much. Well, so Honda, he, the only, I think the only existing cut that he had was a heavily edited version that they use for children's matinees. Mm. And that cut out 24 minutes of footage. So for a long time, it was made up with, um, really badly preserved scans of 16 millimeter cuts yeah but then was restored in 2016 with a 35 millimeter print that was discovered but it still looks like that print wasn't very well looked after because like i say when you see it changing mid shot it's like oh and that's probably what we're seeing on the criterion isn't it i presume so i couldn't find out to be honest so uh the with the u.s version it ignores I think this is just a a general note for anyone listening and watching these movies that the US version, it ignores uh, Raids Again as as a movie because Raids Again was gigantus in the West. So in this version, I don't think Godzilla had existed in the timeline prior to this point. No, they sort of make it like he's appearing and... For the first time, yeah. I think so, So Steve Martin doesn't exist in this universe. Or at the very least that the context of his existence is not really important to the story anyway, even if no. you do include raids. So, yeah. So here he is. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, but something that I think actually influenced movies after this point was from the American cut. And that was the, cause they kind of gave more context to why, um, Godzilla and Kong were fighting each other. And they was, they basically not in so many words, but they said, oh, there's this ancient rivalry between them and that's the conceit behind um godzilla versus kong in 2021 yeah it's it's that's the biggest part of which is which you could call remake in a way that they've embellished that element of it yeah and i think that was something that i think when they were looking at this movie and rewriting it they were like well why are they fighting 
And I think that was an, a, a good and important change to make. And it I seems think, so odd that they didn't have a stronger reason when they first made it. Yeah, it's it's just like like I say, you know, I mean, Honda wanted to do the satire about TV, and I don't think he cared that much about. I guess you you've got plenty of notes about how this originally started out as an American um, production, and there was like Godzilla versus Frankenstein going on, or something uh, like that. Yeah. So okay, yeah, that's I mean that's what I was going to bring up. This is exa- <laughs> exactly that. So yeah, there was a lot of drama with um, between Willis O'Brien, the special effects director, um, special effects guy uh, for King Kong 1933, and john beck the uh producer so yeah willis o'brien he wrote a screenplay for king kong versus frankenstein goodness um, sake i mean <laughs> and they were gonna like shop this script around to producers so like, uh, he and john beck um but no one would finance it because stop motion was too expensive i don't know if that was really the reason right <laughs> Why no one would... Well, probably because it was a terrible movie idea, right? Well, not necessarily, but, you know... But King Kong vs. Frankenstein sounds like something that you would scrape, like, ideas together for, like, now. Like, oh, it's all been done, what should we do? It's like, is that really the first thing they thought of? Yeah, that, it's, yeah, that, that yeah. That would be the natural rivalry, King Kong versus Frankenstein, like... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it is an odd choice. Like, you could think of... Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I think it's favourable to say that it was passed on because of effects concerns when really it's like the, the reason like you say stop motion costs a lot of money therefore the movie's going to have to make a lot of money to make it worth it, right? Mm. And it's not going to make a lot of money because people aren't going to want to watch King Kong versus Frankenstein. So <laughs> it's kind of a roundabout way of saying the idea is bad, I think, rather than anything yeah. to do with money as such. That's probably it. Um, but John Beck... Uh, he then took the script to Toho behind mm. Willis O'Brien's back. Mm-hmm. And Toho agreed. They, they financed it. They made the deal with RKO. Uh, but O'Brien was not credited and he had no money to sue uh, John Beck or, or Toho or anyone. Uh, so he was yeah left completely uncredited f- uh, for this movie, uh, even though it's his... Well, sort of his idea. Yeah. Um, so, like, and then he died a couple of months after the release, and his wife was saying, like, oh, yeah, the stress drove him to an early grave, basically, uh, which is tra- maybe quite Sorry, dramatic, but I wouldn't be surprised that it would be such a stressful situation that it wouldn't have helped. So, and apparently yeah. Marion C. Cooper was, was pissed as well, because he was like, I would never allow a King Kong movie not to be stop motion, you know, having it in a suit is just ridiculous. Mm, because they, 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 as is known, they thought fought against that in the original sort of movie and all of that. But Exactly. I think it's really tragic what happened and it's really nasty when these sort of things happen, especially in the entertainment industry when you should be able to trust people just to like sort of, you know, make fun things mm-hmm. and then mm. and not go behind people's backs. But it's also kind of favourable to say that like this idea would never have come about if not for O'Brien's sort of thinking it's... It's, I know it's King Kong, but it's only like tangentially connected to what they were thinking about. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's sort of Beck thinking up the, the concept and Ron saying, let's both go to Japan and, and sell this. He just does it without. That's the thing, I think, rather than what the actual idea is. Like they were formed a creative partnership and he abandoned that to mm. basically pocket the money himself. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's yeah, it's tragic. Um, I but I do wonder had they had O'Brien or Cooper for that matter been more involved this might not have been the movie 
that it was you know it could have ended up being completely different and this kind of because this film was as successful as it was you know it spawned another what 30 ish films <laughs> there's a there's a chance that this this film you know had they been involved this might not have happened oh yeah would have changed we, history, we wouldn't have sure, the yeah. legacy that we have today of godzilla so mm. in a way maybe maybe it was a good thing i certainly don't in think sense, that king kong versus frankenstein would have done king kong any favors really in terms of a like, legitimate sort of character legacy and toho didn't really care about godzilla at that point I've, either I, so i was under the impression they were sort of looking around for a way to make a godzilla movie actually and then this sort of fell in their lap and they're like oh actually this is a, an idea we can do was the impression maybe i'm had. wrong i uh, i say i say don't, i don't they didn't care as in they, they didn't care enough to go out of the way to do something about it they were hoping that something would land in their laps perhaps yeah i guess they weren't churning out sort of you know thought-provoking godzilla horror movies every year were they they were sort of yeah. like we'll make a godzilla movie at some point yeah it's basically had taken a bit of a backseat. yeah um yeah so yeah tragic it's, it's a bittersweet thing really i love the 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 film that that we got despite how it was made and how it affected people. So it's, uh, mm. it's, a, str- it's a strange one, really. Uh, there was going to be a sequel, which I don't... Did you know about this? Not that I recall. It was going to be called Continuation, King Kong vs. Godzilla. Um, Good title, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was Shinichi... This, is, sec- this, this predates the notion of doing a part two, because although I'm not certain it's the true... Um, sort of introduction of the 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 thing or or the the uh, convention but god mm. uh, godfather part two is often cited as like introducing the notion of using the number two so maybe like they were oh, like, continuation might be like the way people talk about sequels. oh right i see yeah maybe um yeah so it was written by sekazawa again so he, right. did, uh, he did that uh but then it was soon scrapped but interestingly, the plot was going to involve them finding Godzilla's lifeless body at the bottom of the bay, and they were going to revive him to take out Kong this time. Um, but, you know, that kind of answers the question of, like, well, who won at the end? Mm, you know? There you go. But it's not canonical, is it? Just because they wrote it, it's, they didn't make it. It's not, but Toho, I think in press statements, they were like, yeah, Kong won. Kong was victorious because Kong was the was the moneymaker at the time. They're like, of course he's going to win. He's the he's the big ticket item. Well, I'd say even now, even though the MonsterVerse stars Godzilla, King Kong is obviously the more culturally significant one and yes. more recognisable. And yeah, so yeah, yeah sorry, true. Big G, <laughs> you're not the king. So yeah, did you have a favourite moment that wasn't the tree for this film? Or was the tree in the mouth your favourite still? Um, tree in the mouth is such a seminal moment in my film viewing history. Mm. Um, it would be reductive to call it favourite moment. So I will pick something else. Okay. I think on this particular view, my favourite moment um, was probably when they're on the island and the giant octopus appears and uh, you one man, he's asleep but he wakes up and he's like, what's going on? Mm. And Sakurai says, giant octopus, he's after the berry juice. <laughs> and I was like, yes, this is the kind of exposition <laughs> I'm into. Um, and I just really found that very amusing. 
Um, okay. And I love it when silly lines are, are delivered earnestly. Often silly lines are delivered accidentally in these films, and we have mm. laughed about that in the past. I think this one's very much like we're having a laugh here on purpose, and I think it was uh, actually part of the dub, which was quite good, because the dub is fairly low effort, as you would presume it to be. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't be too harsh on the American version, because I do think it's the better edit. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's more pacey, it's more enjoyable, it still keeps a lot of the humour and pretty much all of the action, um, and the characters are still the characters, I think. It doesn't really change the cultural messaging, uh, or yeah. what they'll, there is there anyway. Mm. So yeah, giant that's, octopus. Okay, that's cool. That that moment in the Japanese dub was actually quite funny as well, because he, in Japanese, octopus is, uh, is Tucker. Mm. So... Um, when uh, Sakurai gets up, he's like, "Oh, Taco's outside," and then the other guy is like, "Oh, what? Taco, our boss, is here." Oh, I see. Yeah, it's like there's a joke confused. that's been lost yeah. in translation. There. Yes, so uh, that's why they needed that new line in there, um, <laughs> which ended up being your favorite. So there you go. Well, favorite. Well, I guess so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you said it, not me. There was also <laughs> a bit where there were some tanks coming out to fight Godzilla, and they were so clearly toy tanks that. I, I really enjoyed that. Okay. Now, okay. That was my... I had two moments to pick from. Oh, okay. That was, that was my second. Okay. What I liked about it was they all came out really quickly, like, shit, Godzilla's here. <laughs> he, he, like, blows up one of them, and they just nope out of there straight away. Like, they don't even try. They're like, that's it. Turn back. Go back in the little... <laughs> back in the barracks. Um, yeah, that was a good moment. But my favorite was also from the dub, actually. Oh, yeah. The... So when... Uh, Fumiko is taken from the train. Mm. The the dub audio recording of the actor is haunting. Like this, it like the way it's recorded, you can hear she kind of stood further away from the microphone. Oh right, yeah, it's very sh- sort of shrill, terrified. Yes. Yeah, and like this, it sort of sounds like someone being murdered in a dark hallway in a movie, in a horror movie or something. Mm. Um, and it's 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 quite jarring because the rest of the dubbing is quite goofy. But this sounds so real. It really stuck with me. I th- really thought it was uh, horrifying. Um, I really enjoyed that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it says a lot about me, doesn't it, really? Well, you're a horror <laughs> fan, aren't you? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're fine-tuned to moments of horror in non-horror <laughs> movies, perhaps. Yeah. Um, okay, so do you know what time it is? Is it time for? A quiz. A quiz? Oh, okay, quiz. that wasn't what I was going to say. No, no, I could tell you were hanging. You are like, is it going to be something else? Um, yeah, are you ready? There's going to be four questions. I'm always ready. You could, you know. And if, if you were listening carefully, actually, for one of the questions, I accidentally gave away one of the answers. Well, I, I definitely will have paid attention to you saying whatever it was that you said <laughs> at, at sure. any point during this podcast. <laughs> okay, right. Question one. Uh, so this one's a bit of a, this one's a bit of a flaky question really, but, um, so Sakurai refers to the discovery of Kong as being the scoop of the century. Uh This is in the Japanese dub. Um, and this was one of my favorite lines used in the American dub of which other Godzilla film was it? Godzilla 2000? Uh, Godzilla Mothra and King Ghidorah giant monsters all out attack? Or... Godzilla Final Wars. Huh. See, now you say the word scoop of the century. 
Mm. This, yeah, it's been said, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. I think... Is it all-out attack? Incorrect. Oh! It was Godzilla 2000. I thought that, because they say it in the beginning, don't they? Yeah, beginning-ish, yeah, mm. yeah. First act, shall we say. Yeah. I had to remind myself, I listened over our old episodes to see where I mentioned it, because oh, I couldn't I remember. Oh, she didn't mention it today? No, no, this is another question. Oh, okay, I thought yeah. you Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was Godzilla, two, Godzilla 2000. Um, I thought it was an all-out attack as well, but I, I was wrong. Whether it is a reference to this film or not is debatable, but probably not, but it made me laugh, so I included it. Uh... Say okay, so question two: There were plans to remake this as Godzilla vs Kong before the 2021 movie, mm. and it never came to be. Which year did they originally plan to release it? 1980, 1990, or 2000? 1990. Correct. So yeah, the plot: they were going to have Kong fall in love with a scientist. <laughs> who would then turn him into a cyborg. Which is not that far away from having the robot Kong in other movies they've done. I guess 1990 because it's in a a space between Western versions of both Kong and Godzilla. They did Mm. the 70s Kong and then in the late 90s you had the Godzilla movie and then... what, like, ripe for a remake at that point yeah like there's a gap there where they must have been trying to make something happen and just like nothing ever did so so well part of the reason was old Teddy Turner he wanted too much money for the Kong license <sighs> yeah. well it would probably would have been terrible anyway yeah it probably would have been <laughs> uh, so thank god that didn't happen okay so correct uh, question three this is the one I accidentally let slip earlier oh uh so what is Kong's height in this film? Is it 40 metres, 45 metres, or 50 metres? 50? Incorrect. It was four, It was 45. Oh, so it wasn't playing attention. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Question four. So this is the last question. You've only had one correct answer so far, Greg. All right. Come on. Come on. So. Usually I get all of them right. Um, hmm. Pretty sure last episode I got four right, Paul. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I distinctly remember adding the buzzer sound in. Oh, right, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, okay, question four. How many, however you want to say it, octopi or octopuses yeah. were used for the filming of the o- giant octopus attack scene? Oh, God. Was it Probably four? depressing number. <laughs> <laughs> Was it four, five, or six? Let's just say six, I mean... Come on, they're killing octopuses left, right and centre to make this movie. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> it was four. Well, that's nice in some way, I suppose. Well, they ref- they returned three of them to the sea. But Returning has- to the sea doesn't mean they lived a nice, long, happy life in no, the sea. True. Though. <laughs> they have to be traumatised on the set of Godzilla vs. King Kong. Yeah, apparently to get them to move around, they were blowing hot air at them. Yeah, but it sucks yeah. to be an octopus in Hollywood or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> getting chewed up by the film industry well the, f- the fourth one he was eaten he was uh, Tsuburaya's dinner that day <sighs> so there you go I thought you'd be thrilled to hear that uh, <laughs> so none right this time um, so yeah you, you got 
You got one out of four. Did I? All right, okay. <sighs> Not great. No. Never mind. Maybe you'll do better next if time. If I'd written the questions, I would have got them all right. Probably. Yeah. Hopefully. I would hope you did. Uh, okay, so overall thoughts of the movie. Uh, I think when comparing when comparing the two, I think like, you know, Japanese one has has more of a cohesive story, but as I said, the pacing's too slow. Mm. I think the comedy might be a bit hit or miss, depending on your you know, sensibilities. There's too many characters and these overly convenient plot threads, like with the string and stuff like that. Whereas the US version has tighter pacing, where the story kind of took a back seat, um, which I think could be seen as a negative because it kind of gives it more of a B movie feeling, but. I mean, when we first watched it, that was pretty much exactly what I wanted at the time. Mm. That was exactly the kind of movie I wanted. Um, so as to which I prefer over the other, I don't think it's definitive. Both have their merits and their detractors. But generally speaking, I prefer a more streamlined film. Oh, yeah. And the US one was more fun. So I, I would opt for the US one on a, on a rewatch. Um, you know, I think like... Yeah, I, I, but I really did enjoy both versions. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as when we watched it together the first time. Because I think it's one of those kind of like oh, movie night with friends kind of thing. You were saying that to begin with. Mm. You know, when you're watching it with people, it's a lot more fun. But it was still good fun uh, regardless. Um, what about you? Well, I think as we alluded to, uh, it's a very kind of special movie um, for us in terms of starting our sort of like Godzilla uh, or rather inflating our Godzilla interest, shall you say, because mm. um, I think we've always been interested in the technical side of King Kong and Godzilla. And uh, we, in our youth, enjoyed the 98 Godzilla movie and wanted to kind of see it in its authentic form. And this is where all that started for us. On And uh, yeah, so there's some very fond memories attached to this specific movie, um, which make it kind of, um, it's always fun to to go back to. Uh, even with its flaws, mm. but I would say it, it's um, it's easy to take for granted as well how well it sort of reestablishes the concept of the sort of kaiju movie for its era. Where um, sometimes you can look at these films and sort of mock them uh, for looking cheesy or for kind of not having very uh, well developed stories and, and things like that, and you kind of forget that they are just doing it for a laugh for the most part mm. and the thing with this film is that it does embrace its sort of b-movie persona and it is really sort of um it's it's, it's they enjoy themselves to the fullest making it, i think it is really sort of like just people having a good time making this sort of movie yeah um, and although the japanese film or the, the japanese version is is far too slow and i would say that the american um, movie, although it has shortcomings of its new sequences not being that great, especially it is a masterclass in how to re-edit a, a film and still retain everything that's good about it. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I wouldn't want to overstate it. But I guess what I'm saying overall is like it is a wholly enjoyable movie, even with its age and even with its shortcomings. You can come at it from a intentionally comedic um, angle, and it's really you know good in that way. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also parts about it where it's like, yeah, this is just a silly film in any regard. So it's, it's yeah. enjoyable in that way too. 
So um, deceptively well-made film, I think. Um, and yeah, like we talked about a bit, you could argue this doesn't really sort of live up to the name of either of its key characters. But uh, yeah, it's also something that at the time was very new territory for them. And yeah. it's probably one of the best examples of what we sort of think of as Godzilla these days, which is like a fun, sort of approachable action comedy. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. In the past, we sort of criticised a lot of movies for not always performing that role to the best of their ability. This is still sort of a good benchmark, I think. So yeah, it's a special movie to me and you sort of just as a personal history thing. But I also yeah. think it's a genuinely sort of very good um, movie and one of the finer examples of the genre, even with how silly it is. Yeah, I yeah completely agree. It kind of yeah weirdly kind of ticks every box, no matter how you come at it. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And I, I mean, w- whether this is true or not, but you know that that feeling of you know it seemed like they were having fun mm. creating this movie. Like you actually, yeah, I I agree. You actually do get that feeling. Like you know, just during the fight scenes, it's like make it silly, make it funny, you know. And you do get the impression, at least, yeah, <laughs> with what you're presented, that they must have had a good time actually creating this movie, um, which is just yeah, it's kind of a, a joy to see. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant film. I suppose if we're gonna, you know, our, our age old question: Can a newcomer come to this? What would you say? Well, needless to say, really, because I don't think we would be still watching and talking about Godzilla movies like, what, 15 years later after having seen it? Mm. Um, I would say, if anything, this might be the best one to start with because you get the Japanese authenticity of it. Um, it's not maybe as um, heady to watch as the actual original one, if that isn't your cup of tea, or maybe not you know, the audience you're, you're with if you want to watch a B-movie or maybe watch a Godzilla with a younger audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, whether you enjoy it, uh, you know, in good terms as as the comedy is intended or you just take the piss out of it, it's a good watch, so. Yeah, yeah, because I think, yeah, it works as a as a throwaway one-time experience or as something if you want to get more invested in Godzilla. As you said, it ticks a lot of, of boxes that, that Godzilla has, so if you're just going to watch one or look for an entry point, this is sort of giving you a pretty broad look of what you can expect. It's by no means a drama, obviously, but still a very enjoyable movie. So, Yeah, agreed. So yeah, great film. Uh, absolutely thoroughly recommend to literally everyone. <laughs> it's funny because like, I wouldn't put it in my like top 10, top 25 movies even, but having talked about mm. it now... I only watched it like two days ago, but I would watch it again right now because it's like, it's good yeah. fun. It's just fun. It, it is, yeah, it is. So, uh, yeah, so thoroughly recommended. Um, okay, so I think that about covers it for today. Yeah, so if people want to talk to you or the the podcast, <laughs> Graham, how would they go about that? I would say get on that social media and say you know what i agree king kong versus godzilla very good movie what are you going to talk about next and then we will say oh well you have to wait and see mate um and if you want to tweet us i guess it would be at monster island rp yes and if you would like to go on instagram and which which is also the location of ben's 
lovely artwork. Um, <laughs> that would be Monster Island Radio. Yes, that is correct. And there aren't any others. That's no, that's basically. Yeah, you could, you could review us on the Spotify. I think. Yeah, which yeah. probably has some algorithmic benefit. Um, so yeah. do that as well. I, guess. I think. Yeah, I think is it Apple and Spotify? They have a rating system. So mm. if you like us, you know, be generous. Give us a nice rating. Yeah, we're very um, amicable podcasters as well. If you've got uh, some criticism, we'd be more than happy to hear it. We like the grievances. Mm. We thrive off them. We Yeah, we are grudge <laughs> holders here. <laughs> so give us something to chew on. Godzilla-sized. <laughs> um, speaking of my drawings, I'm going to do a shameless plug here. <gasps> yeah. So because we've, we've been talking about King Kong a lot lately... Yeah. Yeah, I, I've I've made a I I painted a King Kong picture. Oh, is that the one that I've seen? I saw it. You've, you've seen it, yeah. You've seen oh, it. So oh, it is available on my on my imprint store. Oh, really? So yeah, if you see it on my on my Instagram, yeah, there's a link to my store. But it's imprint is the is the uh, the storefront i n p r n t dot com. Mm. Uh, you look me up, Ben Emma Hall. Uh, yeah, you'll find my my Kong painting. So you know, if you wanna if you wanna help me out and buy a print. I wouldn't say no. Uh, or if you just want to see the picture and give it a like, I'd also appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, uh, please check that out if you if you uh, have time. Um, yeah, so I guess that's it for today. Uh, anything else to mention? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, then. So uh, until the next one, everybody. Bye. Bye.